0: It's 2011 and the Arab Spring is raging. A lesbian activist in Syria starts a blog. She names it Gay Girl in Damascus. Am I crazy? Maybe. As her profile grows, so does the danger. The object of the email was please read this while sitting down. It's like a genie came out of the bottle and you can't put it back. Gay Girl Gone. Available now. This is a CBC Podcast.
1: In terms of the, the actual journey that you guys went through, like the whole journey, um, and, and maybe this is too much of a loaded question, but like, what kind of impacts did this entire fucked up, like wild experience that not many, like, you know, really not a lot of people have gone through, like, what kind of, what, what kind of impacts did this have on your general mental health?
2: Uh, well, just to give you like timeline perspective, I joined when I was 26 with just turning 27. I was there for my whole thirties and I left just before my fortieth birthday. So I had my, you know, all my thirties there. And that's a real, there's a big pivotal life changes and shifts that happen in those times, obviously. So, you know, Nippy and I talk about this a fair bit, like when we're reflecting in many ways, and I think this is healthy, although Slippery slope, we have to say, you know, I wouldn't change a, a thing because here we are. We have these two beautiful boys. I never would have met Nippy had I not met Mark and joined Nexium, this, you know, southern boy living in, in New York. Like, well, how could that have all happened? So I like, I love my life. I love who we are. I love what we're building. So I have to, like, look at that whole journey as just part of my, whether you want from a spiritual perspective, the life's purpose was I was I brought in so that I could be the bright light to get up to the highest level possible and then ex, you know be a part of the exposure to expose this guy like I wanted before I joined Nexium to have a meaningful and purposeful life yeah right and I thought that Nexium was that thing obviously we bet on the wrong horse but now we're out of it having way more impact in terms of purpose or meaning than we ever could have had in you know the 17,000 people went through Nexium Mm -hmm. 2 million people have listened to our podcast. Like to me, it was that meant to happen so we could do this. I don't fucking know. I'm I, I, Mm -hmm. all I know is that it was really wonderful when I was in it for a time being, it was a, it was a very beautiful place with some weird things that I couldn't wrap my head around, but was always trumped by like the good, the good of it, Mm -hmm. all those good things you mentioned, the connection, the helping people, the personal awareness, the self evolution, all those good things. Then, to answer your question about the mental health, dig into that for a second. Getting out, I almost like can't put myself back there because it was such a massive betrayal and there was so much, for me personally, PTSD around mm-hmm. like just what I had to do to understand that I was out there pitching and vouching for this guy who not only turned out to be... Um, the opposite of what he said but so dark and so evil and and that I was a part of that like that was a huge awful reconciliation and to to understand like all the impact of all the people that I brought in and then they you know in the pyramid of the MLM Mm. pyramid scheme Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) is is that there you bring people in and they bring people in so the effects of that and also like with the Nexium teaching is that like you, you have to take responsibility for your mistakes. So here I am going like, I'm responsible for all these people. That was part of the reason why we blew the whistle. It was like, I was so loud about how great it was. I had to be equally as loud about how bad it was. Right. And to put, to put myself out there <laughs> in that way, like, yeah, or louder. And to put myself out there, to be like the spokesperson for that was uh, terrifying. It was terrifying. You know, and it was like, you know, it was the right thing to do. I felt like I needed to do it, but I didn't think about like how that was going to impact my kids. You know, or how that would impact, you know, how the neighbor sees me, the neighbor who's never watched the vow, but sees the headline saying like sex cult recruiter tells all I'm like, Hmm. you know, there's more to that story. But if you don't know the whole story, that's how you see me. Like, you don't, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't really thinking about those effects. And that does take a mental toll to deal with, like, you know, how, how how people see you. And ironically, that was one of the things I was always working on in nexium is caring less about what people thought of me, <laughs> right? Ooh. They called it, called it like me disease. And I have really had to challenge that to do this. So in many ways I've had that growth.
1: <laughs> you are, you know, you and Nippy and Mark and his, and um, I'm blanking Bonnie. on his, Bonnie. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, you guys are the architects of, of, a man who very much deserves to be in jail, being in Mm -hmm. jail, not doing this to anybody else.
2: I appreciate that.
0: And I would put that into certain context for you. Um, I always have a little, I wouldn't say balk, but a little bit of like, I want to add a caveat when I hear the term whistleblower. Um, For this reason and this reason alone, after Sarah got branded, we told, we went on our like three week campaign of telling everyone what happened. And, you know, I wrote a letter to the president of the company saying WTF, basically, and no phone calls from the leadership, nothing. Just Claire Bronfman decides to get on a plane five weeks after uh, and go to the Vancouver Police Department to have my wife arrested for mischief, fraud, and theft. And the charges that she had um, and the evidence she had was a lie, right, which then put us in a defensive right where we were going to have to go through legal woes which is what they'd done they just buried all their enemies in litigation mm-hmm. so in a lot of ways yes we were doing the right thing but we got dragged into a fight where we they could have, they fight. could have handled it very differently they could have handled it like Ooh. but but that that's where they had lost touch with reality because mm-hmm. i was betting on a large scale that there would be a public outcry against branding women's private as a means to teach them personal professional and development and Mm -hmm. and character and honor. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. That's what, that's what I was like, okay, you guys are on that side. I'm on this side. The optics of of this, when we put all our cards on the table are going to show us as like, we're not in the wrong, but you created the fight even more. Mm. So it put us in a position of like, we have to burn our boats. We're all in, like we got, I mean, if we don't win this, we're fucked. Yeah. Right. So, so, so to, and it kind of ties into the earlier part of your question. It's like, we were in a fight. I was in a street fight and I was it was in a war, war
2: for yeah. at least and, a year.
0: And yeah. it was, it was like that for a while. And I, and I describe it as being, you know, when you're on a plane, it's a lot of comfort, but when you hit that turbulence, your fight or flight's going off.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And it kind of felt like we were on a eight to nine month plane ride where fuck the turbulence would hit and your fight or flight was going mm-hmm. off all the time. Mm-hmm. And there was shrapnel being thrown into your central nervous system. And it was a lot of that. So there's that element of it. Then there's dealing with how you got conned, the embarrassment of looking stupid, your pride yeah. taking a hit on an on a international scale to a certain extent. Um, and so there was that kind of egg on your face. Right. So there was their initial shock trauma of it and kind of like, what do I, you know, where am I in my life? I have a kid. We had no income. So there's just the physical yeah. kind of like, and they were intentionally doing it and we knew their playbook, mm. right? So we kind of knew like, shit, this might not end well for us. And then mm. he got arrested. And the New York Times article came out and I felt mm. a
1: relief. I can imagine that there is um, during that time and, and you know, once the branding happened and then once you decided to you know, take on this fight, Um, I imagine that there's a lot of decisions that you have to make and sort of how to proceed. And there's constantly things that you have to deal with. Um, And I'm curious from, from your relationship perspective, like how did you like, like dealing with these, this incredibly traumatic and challenging situation, but also trying to like align and make decisions together and, you know, deal with the fact that you're like learning that you're in this cult sort of at the same time. Like how did, how did you, how did you communicate with one another to sort of like effectively we were, navigate that? <laughs> we were not on the well. Phone.
0: We were on the well, no, we were on the phone with Mark and Bonnie and, and a team of people almost every single day. So it's it was was a like,
2: war room in our home. Yeah.
0: Um mm-hmm. and uh we made a lot of really good decisions in a short amount of time that and we had a lot of people kind of serendipitously show up. Even just like
2: The New York Times article, like, and then Moira, who took over the, who started the investigation, Moira Penza, like, the the people that came in and, and took it off our hands very quickly was, I mean, I don't even, I don't know how that happened, but it was... We're very grateful for it, and it and it couldn't have gone better. You know, 120 yeah. years, right? Yeah. No,
0: and he got arrested in under a year and convicted in year, wow. two. Yeah, Man, that, that is amazing. so
1: quick. Is very Pretty quick. amazing. In in terms of like the actual recovery afterwards, when all is said and done, I I I mean maybe I'm wrong here, but I, but I can't imagine that you're you're trying to take that on yourself. Um, like, are, are, have you guys? Did you guys decide to like seek therapy specifically therapy with like with someone who specializes in in deprogramming and and you know cult survivors?
2: Yep, yep. We uh, we spoke to well Yanya Lalich. This this book is like that book
1: helped a lot. Recommend
2: the most. The book is called
1: uh, Take Back Your Life. Yanya Lalich, who was uh, uh, was on Sick Boy not long ago, um, who also wrote Escaping Utopia you got in touch with the onion, I, I, yeah,
2: I we actually did an interview together. I met her on the set of, um, it was called cults and extreme beliefs. This is before I did the vow. And, um, and the book was recommended to me, Mark, Bonnie had left before us and she like kind of gathered up a bunch of resources. So when mm. I, le- when we left, we somebody, thanks to Bonnie, like all of a sudden we had this list of what to read and what documentaries to watch. And th- and that, was a huge part of our deprogramming was seeing it in other groups where it's so obvious like if you watch going clear or mm-hmm. holy hell about buddha field even wild wild country which i'm not crazy about but i'll talk mm-hmm. about that later mm-hmm. like that you you see the patterns and that helped us but well, we spoke to dan shaw who's a specialist in cults and narcissists he also was part of um, the yoga community uh, Sitta yoga which is I, th- I think um in upstate it's new dark, york dark. And I think actually where Keith studied to learn about how to be a uh, a guru and how to be like, you yeah. know, a, a leader of, yeah. of, of the people <laughs> what's, I know. What's, what's up with upstate
1: New York? Is it like a hotbed? It's bed a, a hotbed. Like, Cult know. startups? Yeah.
2: Hotbed. Hot hot. <laughs> hot. We have to go there for a wedding there, in October. Well, there's and I'm like, there's yeah. nothing
0: up there. You been up there? No. No, I have not. It sucks.
2: it really sucks i'm really glad we don't ever have to go there again except saratoga i like saratoga but anyway i was gonna say the other thing like i've taught a big part of our podcast now is a focus on healing and i really like we talk to these people who are still in trauma and they're survivors and i'm like just trying to give them my my healing playbook and Mm. i I talk a lot about just the importance of self-education proper therapy finding a therapist also that doesn't trigger you. Like a lot of people who were in Nexium went to therapy. And because Nexium was a therapy-based curriculum, yeah, there's fuck. questions that are similar to what a normal healthy therapist would ask you. But if you're like getting asked that or a friend, mm-hmm, like, like, mm-hmm. yeah, any, there's so many just questions in the question set that we would have as as coaches. So then they'll go to a therapy session and be like, I can't do this because it reminds me too much of Nexium. So yeah. you have to like Find someone that works for you, that's trauma-informed, coercive control-informed in our case. And um, that's a big part of what drives us now is, is you, you know, telling these stories so people have access to these types of therapists and these types of conversations, which weren't even around much when we were mm-hmm. coming out. So in, in many ways, we're like providing a free, not therapy, but like a good supplement to Ooh. therapy. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and the VAL did a good job of setting it up because i think the Val did a good job of extending the subjects um, a certain level of credibility and respect as opposed to just going in and, and doing the yeah. obvious documentary yeah, um, yeah which yeah, allowed absolutely. us to segue nicely into this because i think you know instead of being the dumb people who fell for a cult we were the people that looked like shit yeah. how did those people fall
1: for it yeah, you know, yeah absolutely yeah. That was a clip from the Sick Boy podcast. You can listen to the full interview with Sarah Edmondson and Anthony Nippy Ames and other episodes right now by searching for Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app and everywhere you get your podcasts.